areas. Turn in your Bible today, if you would, to Luke chapter 11. Uh, we're going to continue our journey uh, on prayer. And, uh, and it's, it's been, a, wait, is, is that Angela sitting back there? Come on. Is your baby here? Where's, is that daddy in the back? Come on, son. Can we welcome Noah and Angela back with their little baby, Pasca, back there? So awesome. I'm getting blinded by the light, so it's kind of hard. Wait, is that Melissa back there too? Oh, my gosh. Wait, are the roads here too? They are. Wow. We got three brand new babies in the house today. That is so awesome. Um, you know, make sure you go by and say hi to them and make sure you take a peek, but make sure you don't touch, okay? I know the dads are like, here, you want to hold, but the moms are like, get your hands off, okay? Because they don't want your germs, but man, guys, welcome here. So glad you're here. Can't wait uh, to see all of them after the service. Luke chapter 11, uh, we are continuing our series on prayer, and uh, I'm looking forward to this message today. I believe it's going to be relevant to you. I believe it's going to, uh, I think for some of you, it's actually going to set you free, and you're going to see more answered prayers in your life. As we started out on this journey talking about prayer, I really just had one, one desire on my heart, and that's this, that all of us would understand prayer a little more, and that would become more praying people together. That by the time we finish this series, the urban church would be more of a praying church, that we would seek God more for things on our li uh, for our lives and also for the church. And so that's really uh, what I hope to accomplish by the time we conclude it. But today's message, I believe, is specifically for some people in here today um, that you're going to get set free. And God's going to do something great in you. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And it says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so he began to show them a way to pray. Now, I've said this every week. What we're going to read next is not magical words that we just quote over and over, read over and over. What it is, it's a framework for which our prayer ought to work through. And he said this, when you pray, say. When you pray, use words. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. And he said to them, which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lead, uh, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence or his nagging, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock, and it will be open to you. Let me put it this way in its actual original content. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Wow. Powerful, powerful words. Let me read one more passage to you if I can. It's in Mark, if you want to turn there. Mark chapter 11. Verse 25, it says this, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you 
your trespasses. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to each and every one of us in this place. Lord, I pray that which you want to do in our lives would be done today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, my wife and I were, uh, were, were gone this last weekend. We uh, left Friday afternoon, got back Saturday afternoon. We were up in Long Beach, and we were speaking at a, at a, a leader's training conference, a t this thing called Timothy Project. And so we were up there teaching at that. And uh, it was a much different style church than our style of church. And so we had to learn to adapt and flow with that. Um, but they ended up putting us up in a bed and breakfast. I had never stayed in a bed and breakfast before, although I will now because it was pretty phenomenal. And, uh, and we stayed at this bed and breakfast, and this bed and breakfast is owned by this 80-something-year-old woman, just this, this petite little old lady. And uh, so we met her. Her name was Margaret. She just went right along with the way she looked, you know. And uh, so we met Margaret when we got there, and she just could kind of shuffle out, and, you know, and she didn't know, to, you know, who to expect. And so she was a little bit cautious at first, you know, and then she met us and welcomed us into her, her bed and breakfast and led us up to her, uh, where we were staying. And, and we are talking, just a sweet lady. Well, when we were checking out um, the Saturday morning, uh, right before we checked out, she came over and she was like, can I pray for you? I was like, absolutely. And then so she took both of our hands, you know, and gripped them, and she just began to pray for us. And I was just so blessed by the prayers that she was praying for us. Here's this 80-something-year-old woman uh, has seen more life than I've seen, have more experience than I've, I can even probably imagine, owning this little bed and breakfast and just wanted to bless us with her prayers. And it was just such the sweetest moment, I think, of all weekend as she began to, to pray over us. And uh, I've been more alert to, to prayers. I've been more in tune with prayers. I've been observing people's prayer lives since we've started uh, this, this series. And uh, I listen to my kids more intently at night when they pray. And uh, kids pray for the, for the funniest things sometimes. It's so meaningful to them. They, uh, while we were gone, my kids spent the night at my mom's house. And uh, my daughter, she's six years old, but she sleeps with those eye things. I don't know. She, she's, it started like two years ago. When she was, ever since she was four years old, she has to have these eye things. And if they ever, you know, if she ever forgets them, man, it is not a good thing. So she has like a bunch of pairs now because we keep forgetting them and have to run them, but she won't sleep unless she has them. And uh, so she was over at uh, my mom's house, grandma's house to them, and uh, we had forgot to pack her eye things. And we knew it as we were about an hour out of town. town I looked at my wife and I said, did you remember to pack Faith's eye things? And she was like, oh, no. Forgot to pack them. So she was having a little bit of trouble with that, and so they went to bed that night, and they said their prayers, and, and Faith said a prayer. Lord, I pray that I'll be able to sleep tonight without my eye things. You know, to her, it was, it was the world. But I've been listening to, to people's prayers, paying attention to my daughter's prayers. I love it when my daughters pray for Urban Church. Um, about probably, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, uh, my daughters were talking, what is the largest number? And, uh, and, and I, I just told them, I think it's a Googleplex. I don't even know if there is such a number. And so sure enough, we Googled it, and Google said it's a Googleplex, all right? And so it must be. And, uh, and so I told them it's a Google. So every night when they go to bed, they're like, Lord, and I pray you would bring a Googleplex people to church. Come on, somebody. So I don't know if this place is big enough to hold that, but um, it's just so awesome. But I've been listening to people's prayers, and it's kind of, it, it, in some ways, and I want to challenge you over the next week, listen to your own prayers you pray, Okay. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Maybe eavesdrop in on somebody else's prayers every now and then. Um, but this is what I found, that sometimes when we pray, we tend to use the name of God as a filler for our prayers. See, somebody here knows what I'm talking about, you know? And, and we just begin to put a filler in there. Dear Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that Father God, that you, would, God, would just come, God, today, God, Father Jesus, Lord, 
omnipotent Father God, Holy One of Israel. I pray that you, has anybody ever noticed that before? And it's like, I mean, that would be like if I was talking to, uh, you know, I don't know. I was talking to Margo, let's say, and I'd be like, hey, Margo, how you doing, Margo, Margo, Margo? So Margo, Margo, it's a beautiful day, Margo. Sunny day, huh, Margo? Margo, Margo, so Margo. Okay, that sounds a little odd, does it not? Am I the only one? You know, could you imagine talking to your wife or your husband that way? It would just, you know, knock it off, you know? Um, you know, now, here's the thing. Do I think God's bothered by that? No, probably he's not bothered by that, okay? Um, but I want to challenge you over the next week to just chill a little bit in your prayer life, okay? Now, when I say chill a little bit in your prayer life, I don't mean don't pray. I mean maybe just take a breath and think about the words you're going to use before you say them. Are you with me? Okay. Now, once again, do I think God's bothered by that? No, he isn't. I am. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, he's not bothered by that. He's not annoyed by that. He probably looks down. He's like, oh, that's so cute. You know, look at him. You know, they said my name 37 times in this one prayer. You know, they, they, God probably thinks it's cute. But I want to challenge us over the next week. Let's, let's take some time. Take a breath and just think about the words we're using and have an intimate conversation with God. Well, let me give you a definition that we've been working off of real quickly. And uh, we got some great food out there and some great fellowship planned out there for afterwards. But let me just give you a couple things before we get there. Uh, the dictionary definition of prayer is this. It's a spiritual communion with God or an object of worship as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. Now, that's a great complex definition. Okay, but I want to work off of my definition that we've been using for the last several weeks. And it's simply this. Having a conversation with God. Okay? Prayer, when you break it all down, the, the, the real simplicity of it is it's just I'm having a conversation with God. It's me, it's God, and we're talking. And it's not a one-way conversation. It's, it's me saying some things and me being patient and, and not saying anything so God can talk back to me. Okay? And that is, that is what prayer is about, and that's what prayer is. It's having a conversation with God. I made this statement last week. want to make it again. Prayer is us cooperating and working together with God in the spiritual realm so we can get things done in the natural realm. Prayer is us cooperating with God, working with God in the spiritual realm so we can get things done in the natural realm. Um, I learned to pray from one of my great mentors at a church in Seattle. And, uh, and in their staff meetings, um, their staff meetings would be two, three hours long, but the majority of their staff meeting was them praying. And someone asked one time, was like, how are we supposed to get anything done if we don't talk and all we're doing is praying? And this pastor, phenomenal pastor, phenomenal mentor, had this, this thought and this, this philosophy and this belief. He said, no, we have too much to get done not to pray. Okay? And, and I want you to think about that for a moment. What is going on in your life that you think you need to run ahead and fix? What is happening in your world that you think you need to involve yourself in and, and you need to do it now? And, and man, i got to take care of this and i got to take care of that and i got to do this. I want to challenge you because I believe that if you would just sit back for a minute and focus on God and begin to pray, that you would begin to cooperate with God in the spiritual realm. You begin to work with God in the spirit realm and all of a sudden you'd see God begin to work things out in the natural realm. Are you with me? I believe with all my heart, and so I've applied that. And I'm telling you, without fail, you can ask my wife, you can ask uh, the, the, the staff members that come in on a weekly basis, that when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't know how we're going to accomplish something, when everyone else wants to go to work and let's just make it happen, all I want to do is I just want to pray. <laughs> okay? 
Because I believe that there is power in a prayer. Matter of fact, I believe as, as Christians, as Christ followers, the greatest tool we have is prayer. It is the greatest tool that is available to us is this thing called prayer, yet it is probably one of the most neglected. So I believe that as, as we begin to discuss this and discover more about prayer, that we will become more of a praying church and we will see more things happen. You saw us talking about the sexual revolution campaign, man, and, and handing out all these flyers and things at the beach over Labor Day weekend, and in three days, 700 new visits to our website. Wow, okay? That's great. But listen to me, that is going to equate to nothing unless we pray. Unless we pray. We've got to pray for the harvest. We've got to pray for our city. We've got to pray for people to come and receive what God has for them. In week one, we talked about uh, prayer, and we discovered the proper perspective of prayer. In, in, in this verse right here where it says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And we talked about how he's the Father, we're the child, and that's our perspective when we walk into prayer. Last week, we talked about uh, this part of prayer, and it was the, uh, a prayer, uh, a petition asking God of something. And we discovered this, that he wants us to come boldly and confidently, yet humbly before him and make some requests. That God is not scared of you asking. Amen? That God actually encourages us right here in verse 3, Give us each day our daily bread. He encourages us to go and to ask him for what we need. Well, today I want to look at verse 4, and then next week we'll wrap the whole thing up looking at the last part of verse 4. But I want to look at Luke 11, verse 4, and it says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Forgive us our sins. Luke eleven twenty five. 25, it said this way, it said, hey, if there's somebody that, you know, that, that you need to work some things out with, as you stand here praying, forgive them. Get that essential part ingrained into you, okay? Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. The reality is, is that forgiveness is probably one of the premier principles of the Christian walk. It's the very first thing that Jesus did for us so that we can even become Christ's followers. And if it's something that Jesus did for us, uh, Caleb, he, he mentioned the scripture this morning, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his own and only son, that whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was coming and dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Forgiveness is one of the premier principles of the Christian walk. And here now, remember, when Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray, Jesus was very thoughtful with what he would say to them. Okay? As a matter of fact, in the ESV, in the English Standard Version, it boils it down to these four verses or these, these, these sentences. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. And now the third principle Here's something that Jesus wanted all Christ followers to understand in their communication with him. This is essential. This is important. Understand the principle of forgiveness. Understand this principle. Probably the hardest sentence you will ever say in the English language. Will you forgive me? You know what the next hardest ones are? Yes, I will forgive you. Okay? Sometimes those ones are even harder to say, right? But man, those words are so hard to say, but yet they are essential 
to the Christian walk, not only to the Christian walk, but they're essential to our prayer life. Look at what it says. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Forgiveness is an essential part of the Christian walk. It's an essential part of our prayer life, yet it is one of those things that is really hard to do. Now, I've been ingraining this in my children since a young age, okay? When they do something wrong, I say, baby, okay, what are you going to say? Sorry, Dad. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're sorry, but you're sorry because you got caught, (laughs) okay? What are you supposed to say? Will you forgive me? Okay? And we've been teaching our kids those words. Now, one of my children has caught on to that pretty quickly. The other one seems to really struggle with it. Okay? These, these words, will you forgive me? Matter of fact, the other day, um, you know, and just so you know, my children aren't perfect. I know you all thought they were. Okay? Um, but if you ever want to discover that, they're not just babysit them for me. All right? They're not, they're not complete. They're, they're near perfect. They're, they're, they're pretty close to being like me, but sometimes they're like their mother. Okay? So they're not... She's not in here right now, so I can say that. She's working in children's class. So. And so the other day, we're up at the pool, and, and Faith, she just happened to start having a bad attitude, okay, like some of you do every day. And uh, she just happened to have, and honestly, my kids are really, really good. But this day, she was just struggling a little bit. And so um, we said, baby, um, we're, we're leaving the pool right now. We're going back inside. And that just sent her over the top. No, you know. And so now there's people looking. At you. As a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? When people start to look on and you really just want to grab your child and carry them out. But then, you know, if you do, they're going to think, oh, that's a horrible parent, you know. But then your kid's screaming as you're trying to drag them out. And they still think, oh, that's a horrible parent. You know, it's like a lose-lose. And so I'm just like, get her out of here quick, babe. Get her out of here. You know, and I'm like, you know, trying to block it, you know. And there's people that are looking around like, what's going on over there? And, and, uh, and went on. so finally we get her out, and then, you know, then it was just like, baby, what's going on? Ah, you know, and we took her down. And so I disciplined her. And uh, in our house, we believe in, in the spoon of correction. The Bible says the rod of correction, okay? Um, I don't have any rods laying around. I have a spoon, okay? And it is a, an anointed, holy, sanctified spoon, okay? You know, the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them, okay? And last time I checked, a rod is not the corner of the room taking a time out. You do what you want. The way we do at our house is we use the spoon of correction, all right? And so I disciplined her, um, you know, and I told her, and I explained to her, here's what the Bible says, baby. Here's why I need to do it. Daddy doesn't like doing this, but I'm going to do it. And you're going to get one spanking for disobeying. You're going to get one spanking for, for, um, um, for arguing, and you're going to get one spanking for having a bad attitude. Do you understand me? No, no. And I was like, come over here. No, no. And I said, if you don't get over here, I'm going to add a fourth one. Okay, you know works every time, you know, and then they come over, you know, and then she tries to, you know, barter with me, but dad, can I just have two if I do this, you know, and, okay, and so I spanked her, and then, and then I held her, and I, I prayed for her, and we talked it out, you know, and then I said, baby, is there, there's something you need to say to me, I'm sorry, dad, okay, baby, I understand you're sorry, but is there something you need to say to me, no, I've been teaching this since she was six, all right? I mean, since she was born. So this is six years of, like, you know, teaching. Didn't get it. And I just looked at her and said, Faith Deborah. (laughs) When the middle name comes out, you know, you know. Especially when you start throwing other names in there, too, that are, you know, like, Faith Deborah Cara Rose, Angel, Poodle, you know. I, I, I I had three older brothers, and I kid you not, when my mom was really mad at me, she was so frustrated with me, she couldn't even get to my name. She was like, Steve, Mark, Ted. Benjamin Lee Brinkman, 
It was awesome. And then by that time, she's like, what was I even upset with you about? You know? So I asked her, I said, there's something else you need. And she couldn't get it. I don't know why it's so hard, but these words, will you forgive me, are so hard for us to say. But yet we see here they're essential to our prayer life. Forgiveness is essential to us having a deep prayer life. But not only that, forgiveness is essential, ladies and gentlemen, for God to come and move in our life with forgiveness and even to answer our prayers. Okay? And so we need to under we need to understand this. Forgiveness is so hard, and it, it seems like oftentimes it's really hard even for believers, even though we see it in the Bible, even though Christ has forgiven us of so much, it seems like sometimes, especially as Christians, we get offended about something and we can't let it go. But we've got to learn to walk in forgiveness. Let me just give this to you real quickly and we'll close. Two things I see in this verse. First one is this. When we forgive others, we create an openness in our lives to receive forgiveness from God. Let me say it again. When we forgive others, someone ticked you off, someone offended you, someone cut you off on the road, well, okay. And I know you probably can't go to hunt that person down to their house and say, hey, look, I got ticked off at you. Will you forgive me? Okay. Although I do that with my daughters. I, I, I was going to take my daughter up to the pool and have her walk around and apologize to every single one of them. And I've done that before. It's a good teaching principle. But when we forgive others, we create an openness in our lives to receive forgiveness from God. Now listen to me. I'm not saying this. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if we forgive, we now merit God's forgiveness. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if we need forgiveness from God, that we should quickly run and forgive everybody, and now we deserve God's forgiveness. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? We don't deserve God's forgiveness. It's his mercy and it's his, it's his grace. We don't deserve it. He gives it out of his own free will. He gives it out of the goodness of his heart. He gives it because he's a merciful God and he's a gracious God. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. But what I am saying is this, is that if you are carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, you are putting a cap over your life to where God can't pour forgiveness into you. And so what happens is, is when we forgive others, it's like this glass right here. It has water in it right now, okay? And so if the water was all the way up to the top, no more water could go into it. You try to pour something in, it would just spill right over and spill right out. But if I am to empty the water in, I now have a free vessel to receive more water. Are you with me? And what happens is if we're so full of unforgiveness and we're so full of bitterness towards people, we have literally put a cap on our life and God wants to forgive you. He wants to pour forgiveness in, but yet he can't. That's why it says, hey, that God forgive us as we've also forgiven all of those that are indebted to us. That's why it says in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, as you stand praying, make sure now, make sure that you have gone and forgiven others. Are you with me? There are some of you in here today, and I believe with all my heart, there are some of you in here today that the reason God is not answering your prayers, here's the thing, not only does it put a cap on that and you can't experience the forgiveness, I believe also there's many times when we don't have the freedom in our life that we so desire because of unforgiveness. God wants to give you that freedom. God wants to pour forgiveness in. God wants you to live an abundant life full of joy, full of prosperity, full of hope, full of, of, of relationship, full of all those things. But yet there's unforgiveness in our life. And so we put a cap on it. And God can't pour those, those things into us. Let me read to you Matthew 5, 
23 and 24. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you want to turn there. Matthew 5, 23. Says this, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Are you with me this morning? What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying, hey, make sure you're right with others before you bring your gift, before you bring your prayers, before you come before the altar. Second thing I want to point out real quickly is this, that I see in this verse. God has freely forgiven us, therefore we need to freely forgive others. God has freely forgiven us, therefore we need to forgive others. We need to walk in that forgiveness. Okay, now let me just, let me just say this real quickly, okay? That when you forgive somebody else, it doesn't mean that you have to be their best friend again. Okay? It doesn't mean you have to be reconciled into this deep, meaningful relationship. I, I've, I've been hurt by people in my past, and I, I was exposed, and I realized that hurt was there. And I realized that I was harboring something in my heart towards them. And so in this particular situation, I was unable to go face to face with them. And so I just had a a, a time with God and I said, God, I release it to you. I forgive so-and-so and and I named them. I forgive so-and-so for this happening. And And God, I ask you now to forgive me for what I've harbored against them. I was wrong, okay? And I can tell you right now without fail, I can tell you with surety that I am completely in good standing with God and I have forgiven them. Okay. So now someone uh, asked me if I was going to go to this conference and bring, bring our young people, actually. Are you going to bring your young people to this camp? And I said, well, yeah, who's speaking at it? And they told me who was speaking at it. It just happened to be that so-and-so was speaking at it. And I thought to myself, you know what? No, I'm not going to bring them. And this person, knowing what happened between me and this person, said, man, I really hope you guys can reconcile one day, okay? And I sat back, and I, and I examined my heart, and I prayed, and I said, God, am I still wrong here? What's going on? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Ben, no, you're not wrong. And he, and, he, and, he, and he gave me this picture. If someone was to slap my wife, I would punch them in the face, Okay? And then I would forgive them for slapping my wife, okay? But if they repeatedly slapped my wife, at some point, ladies and gentlemen, I am no longer going to be around those people. Are you with me? I can forgive them all I want, but why would I continue to associate with them? Why would I continue to be around them if they continually do the same thing over and over and over and over again? Are you with me? Okay? You can forgive somebody, but you don't have to be their best friend. You can move on. And just because you don't want to hang out with them any longer, doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. Are you with me? Look at Paul and Barnabas in the Bible. They split ways. Right? They forgive each other, but obviously they weren't best buddies. Okay? It happens. It's okay. But what it is saying 
God has freely forgiven us. We need to freely forgive other people. Listen to me. God sacrificed His one and only Son on the cross so that you and I could experience the greatest forgiveness ever. But He did not do that so that you could hold grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness towards others. He did that to forgive you of your sins. He did that to also be a model for us to go forgive other people. Listen to me. You don't even have to sacrifice your one and only son. You just got to go and say, will you forgive me? Or I forgive you. You don't even have to sacrifice nothing other than your pride, maybe. Well, this is what Jesus wants us to do. Because we've so freely received his forgiveness, we ought to freely go and forgive other people of what they've done to us. I've been a pastor now for almost 14 years. And I can say as a pastor working with people, getting hurt, things like that, that this is something I have learned, I've been in process with. Okay, It's not something that, that comes natural, I don't think, to anybody. That, you know, gets slapped around like, ah, I love you, I forgive you. You know, I don't think that's natural. I think it's hard, but it takes humility. That's why the Bible says that Christ humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself so that we could be forgiven. Forgiveness takes humility. So as a pastor for nearly 14 years, I've had some tough seasons and some tough times where I learned the hard way or or I had to walk through this. And forgiving people, even for a pastor, doesn't come naturally. Okay, I'm just like you. It's hard. And sometimes, though, it seems like, as Christ followers, it seems like sometimes we're the least forgiving people. But yet we should be the most forgiving people. We should be the most forgiving. We should be modeling this for society. We should be modeling this for our neighbors. We should be, man, look, we, we just keep freely giving back because Christ so freely gave to us. Matthew 18, 23 through 35, paints a picture. It says the kingdom of God is... It's like this, and it tells this story of a man who had some great debts. And the king calls him, the servant, calls the servant in and says, you owe me X and X and X. You owe me this amount. Can you pay your debts? And the guy's like, no, I can't. And so the king says, okay, I'm going to sell your children. I'm going to sell your wife. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell it all, and I'm going to collect on my debt. And the Bible says that the man falls on his knees, and he, and he begs the king, please have mercy on me. And the king, out of pity of his heart, has mercy on the servant and says, okay, I've forgiven you your debt. Go. In this, in this parable, in this story, we are like that servant and God is the king. That you and I had a debt we could not pay. We could not pay the debt. We could not meet it. We couldn't do it. And, 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 and we fell before him, and we asked for forgiveness. And out of his love, out of his mercy, he's forgiven us. But the story goes on, and now the servant, remember, the servant is us. The servant is the one that's been forgiven. The servant is the one that said, you know what, I'll, I'll take those debts. Don't worry about it anymore. The king took the servants. The servant is us. This servant now, though, goes and finds another servant that owes him money. And demands that he pay back what he owes. And the servant couldn't pay the other servant. So that servant said, okay, that's I'm going to have you thrown in jail. The guy was thrown in jail until he could pay the debt. 
king finds out about it, he ain't happy. He comes and he deals with that servant because he had been forgiven so much, yet he couldn't freely give forgiveness away. I want to ask you a question this morning. Could it be that maybe some of your prayers aren't getting answered? Could it be that because you have unforgiveness in your heart that you haven't done this part of verse 4 and you haven't forgiven somebody else? Could it be that you are blocking the blessings of God from your life? Could it be that maybe you're holding some unforgiveness to, to somebody in a past relationship? Maybe a spouse. Maybe a pastor, maybe a leader, maybe an employer, maybe an employee. Could it be that, that some hurt happened way back here and you're still holding that in and you're still harboring that and you go and you pray, but yet you're not having the breakthrough in prayer that you desire. You're not, you're not seeing the freedom. You're not experiencing the love and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. You're not experiencing the freedom that He wants all of us to experience because there's something hidden in your heart. Today, the challenge to you would be this. Freely you have received, so freely go and give away. And when you stand praying, make sure that you've forgiven all those who are indebted to you. He's given us forgiveness. He wants us to go and forgive others. And when you do, you will see your prayer life go to a whole new level. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word, God, is amazing. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a minute. Because I truly believe there's some people in here today that, that you're holding some things in. You're holding on to some, some hurts. Really what it comes down to is unforgiveness. Now listen to me. I know what it's like to be hurt over and over and over again, but you can forgive and let it go and move on. You don't have to hang out with those people anymore. You don't have to be around them unless you're married to them. Stay married. Pray. Go to a counselor. Get your marriage solid. But you're here today, and, and as you heard the message, maybe you've never connected the dots before. Maybe you've never made the connection and said, you know, wow, I'm not experiencing the breakthrough. and I'm not experiencing the freedom in my prayers. I'm not experiencing the life-giving joy that I really want and I see others experiencing it. And so you just try to pray more. You try to pray more and you try to do more, but yet it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with letting go. It has everything to do with letting go. In Matthew chapter 18, because that servant went after the other servant, he actually imprisoned himself. Because the king went said, no, I'm going to throw you in prison now. By harboring unforgiveness in your life, you're actually putting yourself in a cell. You're actually imprisoning yourself. And God would say, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. Some of you, it's, you could actually look at your natural life and you could look at the situations surrounding your natural life and you ask yourself questions like, why am I not prospering? Why? why, why? I mean, I try this, I try that, but I'm not prospering. 
Some of you, it's like, man, I can't seem to find the right person, and I, I so desperately want to be in a relationship. Why is it? Some of you, you look at your relationships, and it's, it's almost as, as if people don't like to be around you, and you're wondering, what's up with that? Is there something that's going on? And I feel like the Holy Spirit would say, yeah. You have an open wound. And it's literally festering if you just allow forgiveness to come out of you. Forgiveness would pour into you. Watch. See what happens. Some of you are sitting right now, you're like, ah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Are, are you sure? Give it a try. Give it a try. Give it a try. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now for every person in this room. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're building a great church. I thank you that you are the chief cornerstone. and You're the one that's leading and guiding and directing Urban Church. And I thank you for leading and guiding and directing people to this church. And Lord, I thank you for the great ministry team and the great leadership and the leaders you've given us, God. And I thank you that we're going to continue to see great growth. And we're going to see many people come. But more than people just coming, God, I pray that we would learn the principles of your word. And God, we would see very clearly that today that there are some of us here that need to let some things go and forgiveness needs to flow out so that forgiveness could flow in, so that the the freedom could, could pour through our life. Hallelujah.